Blog Talk Radio. Reach the difficulties uh, out of the way, and we're going to start this special show on the astrological chart of Leonard Nimoy by listening to a song. A lot of people don't know that he was a singer. He came out with a couple albums, kind of novelty act kind of albums, and um, so here's uh, him singing his song, Where It's At. knock upon my mind, and you beg to borrow a cup of wisdom, you've come to seek the truth, to ask me where it's at. I thank you for your confidence in me. You see, I cannot draw for you in black and white. You could follow in your quest. For each man finds that road alone. Each day, as he eases himself into the stream of life, if he's lucky, he may come a little nearer to the goal. I, too, have been a prospector, wandering through the maze, buffeted by the storms and jagged rocks of life that tore the nerve ends of my hopes and dreams. And like yours, my skin was much too thin to shield me from the emeralds of our times. The big machines, the scrambling crimson tape, the hate-filled boats that keep us from the other secrets, searching, too, for the road to where it's at. But then, one day, the fog within my mind began to clear, and for me, the truth shone forth as brilliant as a thousand suns. I had it all along within my grasp. The answer was so simple that I almost didn't see it. It's love. Loving someone more than you love yourself. Loving so much that you trust, you give, and you ask nothing in return. This is the purest form of love. And then... And this is a miracle. If the one you're giving to believes as you, you've found it. The treasure you've been seeking. You've found out where it's at. Okay, that was the man himself, Leonard Nimoy, album on where it's at. And uh, at the end of the show, we'll play one more uh is highly illogical song. So, a lot of people all over the planet are grieving the loss of the actor Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock in Star Trek. And um, so it's a valuable exercise to take a look at his astrological chart to get a deeper understanding of his psyche, his soul, who he was, 
how that's reflected in his chart. And um, it's interesting. There's there's not uh, clear information about what time. We know the day he was born, um, March 26, 1931. And um, the uh, um, apparently it said at some time or something that he was um born around eight o'clock, but it wasn't clear whether he had said AM or PM and most people assumed it was AM. And if you look at the AM chart, it totally doesn't fit him. And um I've done rectification on the chart and uh, um I put his time at uh, eight thirty four PM. And it's one of my specialties. Uh so if you don't know if you know your birthday um, for doing the chart, you need date, time, and place. And um, so one of my specialties is uh, called chart rectification for um, figuring out people's charts when you don't know the time. So um, I calculated his time to be 8.34 p.m. He was born in Boston. Um, again, uh, March 26, 1931. And... Um, and there's a reference, uh, if, if you go to um, the website, in case you listen to this on your phone or something, um, you'll see a link um, to uh, the astro.com um, database. Uh, <clears throat> there's a astrologer there. Um, uh, he's, he's a scholar, I think, from Israel, that uh, is Isaac uh, Stockman, and he also had the PM chart, so he was smart. He knew what he was talking about, and I totally concur with him. And as we get into the chart, you'll see that um, it fits, and um, you know, there's an interesting story in, in Vedic astrology that... Uh, Shiva got angry at this astrologer who um, interrupted him when he was in deep meditation, and so he put a curse on all astrologers that no true astrologers will ever agree on anything, which is kind of a true statement. Astrology um, can be quite a um, rigorous intellectual um, process of of study and so all different astrologers kind of stake out different territory and disagree with one another and anyway there's a lot of that that goes on but let's get into um, Leonard Nimoy's chart um, so definitely he was born at the uh, in the PM that gives him the Scorpio rising uh, he would have had a Gemini rising and um, so your rising sign is how other people perceive you, the, uh, the energy you give off, your kind of first impression you uh, people get of you and stuff. So he was very much Scorpio. He was very intense. Um, and, you know, even there's such intensity that's a little bit of uh, dark, uh, uh, too intense for some people. The Scorpios tend to pick out more superficial signs. Scorpios are seekers. They want to go deep. And there's, uh, and often they look dark, 
too. I mean, like the dark hair and uh, um, so it's uh, yeah, he had all um, and Scorpio keep things hidden. They're they're not real. Um, <clears throat> they're very keen on uh, power, and they're aware of other people's power dynamics and people's shadow, and they keep their own. Um, different details about themselves, private, and um, yeah, wearing sunglasses and just being uh, keeping certain things hidden is a particular Scorpio trait. And um, he had an Aries son. He's very outgoing. Um, he actually has a big stellium in Aries, not just the sun, but the North Node. Um, Uranus and Mercury all in Aquarius and the um, Mercury and Uranus were conjunct and this is in the sixth house the house of service, of hard work Um, and um, he was very humanitarian, he he also has four planets in the ninth house which is particularly the humanitarian house Um, there he has the moon, uh, these are all in Cancer. The moon, Jupiter, Pluto, and Mars, all in Cancer in the ninth house. So he was really out there. He loved um, the broader subjects of life, the higher dimensions, and very philosophical. Um, and, um, and he had um, Saturn. Uh, and by the way, so this is, the Western chart, we're going to, um, after we look at this perspective, then we'll take a look at the Vedic, Turkish, uh, Indian chart also. But um, in his Western chart, he had Saturn in the third house. The third house is how you express yourself, your uh, spokesman quality. And he very much had this, the Saturn's in Capricorn. Saturn's uh, in its own sign in Capricorn, so it's extra Saturnine and um, particularly the role of Spock and pretty much all his roles. He was famous for that gravitas and that certain serious seriousness and uh, expressing with that Saturn quality. And then he had um, Venus in Aquarius in the fourth house, so he loved home and family. And uh, he had Neptune in the tenth house. Uh, in Virgo, and he very much had a Neptunian tenth house of the house of career, and his career was in film and TV and um, all the um, Neptune is kind of the higher octave of of Venus, of art of beauty, and this is bring it out there in the world. And he really did change the world. He gave us sort of a new archetype. And uh, the um, but but film and TV, all those things are ruled by Neptune. You know, people get to act out fantasies and create fantastic worlds and all that kind of thing that connects people to their imagination and fantasy and um, uh, bigger bigger picture. So. Yeah, and his uh, Neptune is retrograde, 
um, as well as his Pluto. And his, he did have a, a career that started later. He had, you know, he he worked at it for like 10 years before he got his big break. And um, so there was some delay there with that retrograde. And um, so let me unpack this stellium he's had out in the sixth house in Aries. So Aries are very action-oriented. They want to do things and... Uh, uh, and he was very dynamic. He, he wrote books. He wrote two autobiographies. Uh, um, did, uh, he was a photographer. Uh, he put out some music albums, like what I started with, and I'll end up with another song. So uh, he was very prolific. Uh, and, um, so he has Uranus conjunct Mercury. Uranus is a planet that has an unusual orbit that... Um, <clears throat> so it's where we express our individuality, where we fly our freak flag, and his, that's together with his mind, with Mercury. So he was far out. He thought um, very futuristic, ahead of his time, different, going to the beat of his own drummer type of thoughts, and um, and had flashes of brilliance and insight and intuition with that combination very creative, and it's all together, um, the Uranus and uh, his North Node, and in Western astrology, North Node is kind of your destiny or you're moving towards, and so he was destined to be someone who was an oddball, different, and um, yeah, so even with the ears and spark character and stuff, he's famous for being an alien and um, the Mercury is uh, two degrees away, so it's a uh, close conjunction. They say if something is more than 10 degrees apart, that um, then uh, the aspect isn't um, having an effect. Uh, the sun is at five degrees, so it's uh, pretty much not part of that. Uh, conjunction, but it's there also in Aries, in the sixth house. So he really um, cared about people and tried to, um, you know, very hardworking. He uh, directed three of the Star Trek movies. And uh, so this combination in the um, ninth house, the conjunction there is not as tight. He's got a very loose conjunction. The moon is at 3 degrees Cancer and then 11 degrees is Jupiter. Uh, so that's like uh, 8 degrees away. Um, so it's a slight conjunction. But it made him very big-hearted, the Jupiter influencing moon. It's a very uh, spiritual aspect. He, he was a blessing to the people in his life and to the world, and um, and all this cancer is very interesting because the Spock character was half human, half Vulcan, and so you felt uh, seething under that stern set Saturn-like expression that there was really deep feeling and emotion. So all this cancer, um, the Pluto's 18 degrees, so that's uh, 7 degrees away from the Jupiter. So there's, uh, in, in 
and intensity, uh, powerful, um, uh, and um, futuristic, revolutionary, wanting deep change, and and in Mars, uh, there at 29 degrees Cancer, um, that's not conjunct with anything, um, but putting his energy into the ninth house of higher learning, um, philosophy, um, theology, uh, all the sciences and advanced thinking and things that you study in college and stuff. Um, yeah, so he was very broad-minded and uh, it's interesting in terms of uh, elements. He's got more water than anything. So he's very deep emotions and a strong intuition. And he actually has hardly any air. He only has uh, one air. And uh, that uh, Venus and Aquarius. But um, um, fire, you've got uh, less less earth and air and more fire and uh, water. So it's very dynamic and emotional and... Um, um, so as he wrote in his uh, his autobiography, I am not Spock. So he's a little bit ruffled his feathers for people to wanted people to know that he was not really like um, the characters of computer like Spock. <laughs> and um, so he's got uh, a lot of interesting aspects. Also, the moon. Tries the ascendant. Uh, that one's almost exact. Uh, the Saturn's opposing Pluto. There's this intensity about him. Um, I think it's conveyed. And Uranus is trying his midheaven, the career. So he had an unusual career and uh, played unusual characters. Yeah, so played out. So let's take a look at his Vedic chart, which is just like a different, interesting how um, when I do a reading and by the way um, my website is uh, randygoldberg.org or astrodc.com and um, it's $80 for an hour reading and I'll, I'll include both the Western and the Vedic perspective and a lot a lot of people will resonate a bit more with one or the other. It's uh, They tend to reinforce each other, and usually the Western is a bit more um, psychological, and the Indian one is more predictive and karmic. So in the Jyotish Vedic chart um, for Lennon Nimoy, if, if I had to pick one word to describe him, they'd say he's uh, Libra. And Libra is the sign of artists and actors and singers. That's the creative types. Um, John Lennon, so many singers and artists and stuff are Libra. And um, so in um, fake astrology, the most weight is given to your rising sign. It's called the Lagna. And he had a Libra rising. So he was a born actor. He was meant to act. 
And then um, the lord of that sign of Libra is Venus. And he has Venus in the fifth house of intelligence and creativity. So he had an incredible creative gift and intelligence and was a true artist, um, genius type of artist. That's why he was not only able to make such an enduring impact with his acting, but he directed three of the Star Trek movies. Um, he was a major artist and really brilliant. Um, he has Mars in the 10th house, a lot of ambition and uh, uh, big career, putting his energy, very hardworking. Um, and he was ambitious enough to get named uh, the director for three of the Star Trek movies, so that's not easy. Everybody wants that position of being a director. He got it. Um, and then he's got uh, Raj Yoga, one of the most spiritual combinations. He has Jupiter and the moon. The Sanskrit word for Jupiter is guru. And so guru is together with the moon, the most sensitive uh, point in the chart. So he's got, this is like a past life thing. And it's in the the ninth house, the house of Dharma, um, in the sign of Gemini. There's a lot of creativity with that also. Um, but he, yeah, um, to have moon, Jupiter together is is a powerful spiritual combination, particularly in the ninth house. Um, he was very evolved soul. He was somebody who had a gift to give to humanity and a blessing that he gave us all with his art and his creativity and his insights and depth. And, um, yeah, and then he had the, the notes of his moon in, in the Indian system. The um, south node is called Ketu, and it's this Naga snake demon that had his head cut off. And so the body without the head is the south node, and he had that in the 12th house, the house of loss. And um, so um, part of the symbolism of K2, of the south node, is you need to lose your head, lose your ego to uh, get liberated. And 12th house is the house of liberation, but it's uh, experienced as loss for the ego. And so anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a very mystical placement to have. Um, K2 South Node there in the 12th house. And um, and his North Node is in the 6th house together with Mercury and the Sun. And um, so that makes him a seeker uh, because uh, Rahu, the North Node, is the, the head that floats about the body and it's restless. It's always wanting more. and But it's together with, with Mercury so it's giving that restlessness to his mind and making him always wanting to learn and grow. And um, the sun is there. Um, since he has three planets in the sixth house, in, in uh, Indian astrology, sixth house is the house of enemies. So he was so brilliant and uh, ambitious. And so to rise to the point of being able to be appointed, given the role of directing those uh, Star Trek movies that he did, you know, and those had huge budgets, hundreds of millions of dollars and stuff. So um, 
I'm sure he had his enemies, and he was able, particularly the the sun is considered a dharmic and malefic planet. So it kicks your behind to get you to follow the right path. Um, so it pushes you onto the path of dharma, but it uses harsh methods. And so it's good to have a planet that can be harsh when you're dealing with enemies in the sixth house. And, um, you know, the sun, if you stand in the rays of the sun all day, you get heat stroke and stuff. So that's part of the the symbolism of that. And um, so, uh, yeah. Um, And Arda was his nakshatra. Um, there's a lunar mansion that that uh, folks have uh, in the Vedic chart, and um, <clears throat> it gives a um, guiding uh, influence to the chart. And so his lunar, they're called lunar mansions, and um, his pole star was Arda, which which relates to Gemini, and uh, Gemini does rule acting and uh, creativity and uh, play, and um, so Arda um, is connected to... um, Bela Gusi is a, a star in the constellation of Orion. It's also connected with the fixed star of Sirius. Um, and uh, often relates to um, people who deal with intense things like um, death and dying. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is somebody that had Arda to Nakshatra. And um, it means moistened one, the wet, soft, shining like a gem, reflects the clarity that comes after a spring rain or tears of sorrow. Um, This um, fixed star gives fierce activity, enthusiasm, and urge for expansion. Uh, um, Yeah. FDR, Bogart. Um, and Arda. Yeah, so um, that's the show. Uh, looking at the, the Indian Vedic chart. Um, his... Uh, Uh, yeah. So, um, let's see if there's anybody that um, is listening that wants to call in. They couldn't do that. Otherwise, I think I'll wrap it up and go out with uh, Aaron Nimoy singing his 
highly illogical. And uh, both these songs and other songs, if you Google Leonard Nimoy and YouTube, um, you can hear them there. Um, Leonard Nimoy with his album Bach Presents Music from Outer Space. Highly illogical. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and again, um, my website, uh, astrodc.com, and I do readings uh, by Skype, by phone. Enjoy this song by Leonard Nimoy, the great. Miss you. From far beyond the galaxies, I've journeyed to this place to study the behavior patterns of the human race. And I find them highly illogical. Girl <laughs> eats four. They fall in love. She says he's everything. She's dreamed of. When they get married, before he's aware, changes his habits, the way he comes his hair. Dreams to someone he's never been. Men complain he's not like other men. Now, really. I find this most illogical. <laughs> Take the case of your automobile. Greatest invention since man discovered wheels. Hydrogen overdrive or on the floor. Which button windows? Which button doors? So double barrel carburetor rockets in place. A dynamic fast mine. A parking space. Tires. Illogical. Take the case of modern man. He works all his life, gives it all he can, saves all the time, works all the time, teaches every penny, thanks every dime. All he can think about is what he doesn't know. He can't take it from where he's going to go. Now I find that fascinating illogical. Now is the time to journey home to tell me what I've learned. My people, I believe, have every right to be concerned. For in spite of computers and advanced psychology, if your patterns still exist, I predict the future of the earthly human rights is that having pain and death and birth will move you out of space. Well, there goes. 